Welcome to the 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill. And while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 29. Verse 1 says, The Philistines gathered all their forces at Aphek, and the Israelites camped at the spring in Jezreel. So the Philistines and the Israelites are once again preparing to go to battle. Now you might remember at the beginning of the previous chapter, chapter 28, that David had gone and fled with his men and their families, and they had gone to live among the Philistines. David had reasoned that if I stay in Israel any longer, Saul the king will never stop pursuing me, even though God had always protected him, even though God had never stopped defending David, even though till this point, the king with all of his resources, even though he, his men vastly outnumbered David, he had never gotten a hold of him yet. God had always protected him. David said, I've got to, I've got to run. I've got to flee. And I've got to leave the land that God had promised my people. I have to leave and I have to go to the land of the Philistines, the land of idolatry, the land that is not just neutral towards God, but they are the enemies of my God and his people. And so the king there said to David, we're going to go to battle against your people and you will be in my army. And so David, what's he going to do? He's in a tight spot. He said, sure, we're with you. Because what choice does he have? He's put himself in a bad position. So the king's not stupid. He's like, I'm not going to put you on the front lines against your own people. You'll be my personal bodyguard. So you and your men will stand with me um, and you'll, you'll just be with me. And if I have to go into battle, then you'll come with me. So you may have to fight, but otherwise you'll just stand with me as sort of a symbolic thing. So the Philistines gathered their forces, verse 2, as the Philistines rulers marched with their units of hundreds and thousands. So the Philistines rulers, they didn't have a single king. They were sort of a confederation of cities and uh, tribes and and villages. The Philistines, by the way, hadn't been in the land very long, Uh, maybe a couple hundred years at most. I only learned this recently. I was listening to a lecture um, about the... uh, sort of the collapse of Mediterranean civilization at the end of the Bronze Age. And the Philistines had come from um, either, either Turkey or, or the, uh, uh, you know, Greece, the Balkans, that area. And they had come from the west and invaded and driven out a lot of the uh, inhabitants that had been there in the days of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So they had only been there for a few hundred years themselves, but they, they didn't have a centralized king. They had a collection of rulers. And so all of the rulers gathered together, and Achish was one of the stronger ones. And they get there, and David and his men were marching at the rear with Achish. And the commanders of the Philistines asked, what about these Hebrews? Because they didn't trust David. David had killed Goliath. David had fought against them. So they don't trust him. And Achish replied, is this not David, who was an official of Saul, the king of Israel? Has he not already been with me for over a year from the day he left Saul until now? I have found no fault with him. So, so Achish is like, hey, David's uh, out with the king. Uh, Saul hates him. Uh, David left Saul, came. He's been with me. We're good. David's good. I vouch for him. But the Philistine commanders were angry with Achish and said, send this man back. 
that he may return to the place you assigned him. He must not go into battle with us or he will turn against us during the fighting. He, how better could he regain his master's favor than by taking the heads of our own men? Isn't this the David they sang about in their dances? Saul had slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. So they're saying, look, this guy, he's out with the king, but can't he regain favor with the king um, by, by just turning on us? And then he'll, he'll get back in the king's good graces by winning this battle. Uh, it kind of shows that they had no idea what was actually going on in Israel and their politics. Um, it's interesting, I, I, you know, I've been following, um, you know, at the time of this recording, you know, the, U, the UK is up in, in, in all kinds of upheaval and turmoil. And I've been, you know, because I used to live there, I pay attention to it. And so uh, I've seen the reporting from American news outlets about what's going on. And then I've been paying attention to British news outlets. It's very different reporting. And the American news outlets, they, they seem to want to talk a lot about Boris Johnson because that's the name Americans know. And the, the British news outlets, they might mention him, but nobody's taking that as a serious possibility. And so you have this understanding that the Philistines didn't really know what was going on. They didn't really know what the real cause of the rift was between Saul and David. They just knew they didn't trust David. And so uh, they said, we don't want him here. So uh, Achish says to David, verse 6, As surely as the Lord lives, you have been reliable. And I would have been pleased to have you serve with me in my army. It's interesting that Achish says, as surely as the Lord. And remember, when the word Lord is in all capitals, that is the name. Now, we usually think of it as Yahweh or Jehovah. And I don't want to bore you with the reasons why one over the other. Uh, Jehovah is an English version of the German scholars' translation of it from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Um, Near as I can understand in the, in the studying that I've done, the German scholars who were translating um, made a really, really reasonable guess on how the name was pronounced. But um, being German, they, they, they mispronounced the, the ja instead of into a ja. You know, ja, 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 vol, ja. And so, uh, so it got that Jehovah instead of a ja, ja. And so the, it, sh- it should probably be pronounced Yahweh. Um, And it's just how you choose to pronounce letters, uh, German versus English. I remember as a kid, I used to love the Winter Olympics. I know, I know like the Summer Olympics are the ones people like better. I love the Winter Olympics. And as a kid, you know, uh, Katarina Witt is a a East German figure skater. And uh, she was one of the the greats in the 90s. Uh, But I thought she was Katarina Witt because with a W. And I didn't know that W's are pronounced with a V in in German. And so there's all these things that you you have to learn. um, And... uh, so, you know, it, it, that's why we have these, these different pronunciations. Um, the, when you, if you ever hear um, an observant Jew, especially an Orthodox Jew, say the name or the Hashem, um, it's speaking of the name of God, but they have lost how to say it uh, because they took... So there, there's actually sort of an urban legend that goes around that says that the Jews honored the name of God so much that they took the vowels out. That's not totally true. Um, ancient Hebrew, as a, if for nothing else, as a way to save space on scroll and parchment because it was so uh, valuable, um, kind of eliminates extra space wherever possible. And a lot of times, again, I am not an expert in Hebrew. I took Hebrew in undergrad. I took some Hebrew in grad school does not mean I know what I'm talking about. It just means that I've taken classes, right? But I'll tell you that, that they will, wherever possible, save space. So 
The problem wasn't that they didn't spell it out. The problem is that they wouldn't say it. And when they wouldn't say the name, then you lose the ability to pronounce it. Because the written language assumes that somebody is speaking it to know how to say what is written. And so the issue is more that they wouldn't say the name because it was so holy. Uh, so we, we kind of are a little bit guessing what is being said there. Is it Yahweh? Is it Jehovah? Is it something else? And so the Bible translators have just chosen to go with Lord in all capital letters as a identifier of this is the, the, the name, the Hashem, um, that is Yahweh, Jehovah, whatever it is. It is the identifier for the God of the Israelites, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Achish is identifying David's God. He's saying, as surely as Yahweh, the God of your people lives, you would have been fine. And I would have been pleased to have you. And from the day you came to me until today, I've not found no fault in you, but the rulers don't approve of you. Now turn back and go in peace and do nothing to displease the Philistine ruler. So he's saying, hey, they don't want you here. Don't prove them right, David. Like, don't, don't trash the place on your way out, right? Don't do anything in a bad temper to prove them right. What have I done, asked David? What have, what have you found against your servant from the day I came until now? Why can't I go and fight against the enemies of my lord, the king? And Achish answered, I know that you have been pleasing in my eyes as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the Philistine commanders have said, he must not go with us into battle. Now get up early, along with your master's servants who have come with you, and leave this morning as soon as it is light. So David and his men got up early in the morning to go back to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. This is the grace of God. This is the grace of God in David's life. David does not have to go fight against his own people. I, I suspect David could never have been king of Israel had he, had he done that, had he fought against his own people. I don't think he could have. I don't think the people would have accepted him. This is the grace of God pulling him from that situation. And there are times where maybe you've said, why didn't I get that promotion? Why didn't I get that job offer? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't this situation work out the way that I wanted it to? And, and in faith, I have had to trust that the grace of God has held me back at moments in my life. And the grace of God has prevented me from having to walk down roads that I thought would have been fantastic roads only to find out that it would have been the worst thing in the world and it would have just totally, uh, you know, submarine or, or torpedoed or whatever. It would have just shipwrecked. I think I just used three nautical uh, euphemisms in, in like 10 seconds. So that's fine. But it would have totally, uh, you know, just smashed up any, any potential I had going forward. And I'm so thankful for that. And God's grace is here restraining David for the long term, but not just for the long term. Chapter 30, verse 1, David and his men reached Ziglag, which is the town that they had been given on the third day. Now the uh, Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziglag, and they attacked the Ziglag and burned it. And they had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both old and young, and they killed none of them, but carried them off and went their way. So they've taken all of their families and their children and their wives and everything else, and they didn't kill them. They took them off to be slaves. And they came back and found their city burned, and their families taken captive. And if they had stayed and fought in the battle, they could never have hoped to catch up with these guys. 
If they had stayed and fought in the battle, the best chance they have is catching them while they are traveling back because now the Amalekites are slowed and burdened by the captives and the plunder that they are taking back with them, whereas David and his men are traveling light and they are traveling angry. They are motivated to move and to fight. But if they had stayed in the battle, they would have been weary from war, they would have been injured, they would have lost men, and they would have had delay. They would have come back a week later, three weeks later, and all of their loved ones and possessions would have been back in the fortified cities and strongholds of the Amalekites. Again, the grace of God. And when David and his men found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive, his, David and his men wept out loud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahoyanim of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of, Car- of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Everything that's going on here is because David fled. He left the promised land. There's a lot of bad stuff happening inside the church. I, I will be the first to admit that. But there's way worse stuff happening outside the church. And what what has gone on in my generation and the generation behind me, and I don't totally know what generation I'm in. Technically, I am the oldest possible millennial. But but oftentimes, you know, with the, the bulk, the mass of the millennial generation, I have less in common and I have more in common with Generation X. I, I think I'm technically in that Generation Y that they were trying to label for a while and then drop that because it was just like, who, who cares? But whatever generation I'm in, my generation and the generation behind me, there was a mass exodus from the church. And I understand the reasons. Um, you know, when we, uh, it, this coming Sunday, well, no, that's not true. A couple Sundays from now, uh, we'll talk about Matthew chapter 20, uh, chapter 23. So whenever you listen to this, you can go reference the podcast that has the Matthew chapter 23 teaching from a Sunday morning. And Jesus talks about this, that, that there is hypocrisy in the people of God, and he acknowledges that. But he says, that doesn't mean that the ways of God are wrong. Just because you've experienced the hypocrisy of somebody claiming to be of the people of God. David led his men to a bad place. He led his men to a place where their families were exposed. He led his men to a place where they themselves were going to have to take up arms against their own people. He led them to a place where they had to make their living, we, we read about it a few weeks ago, by deception and lies. Nothing's good in their life during this time. This is a bad time for David. And now his men want to turn on him. And it's in this moment, it says that David found strength in the Lord his God. And that is so encouraging to me because no matter how far down the pit we have fallen, it is not too far for the grace of God to reach us. It is not too far for God to reach down and to grab hold of us. And as we reach and take hold of the hand he is offering, we realize that he has been there with us the whole time. And then David said to Abathar the priest, so there was actually a a Levitical priest there with David uh, who had fled because Saul had tried to kill the priests uh, because he had given some service to David. Bring me the ephod. 
And Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? This is the first time we hear of David inquiring of the Lord in this whole 18-month sojourn out of the promised land. Pursue them, God answered, and you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. And David and 600 men with him came to Besor, uh, the valley of Besor, where some stayed behind, and 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the other 400 continued to that pursuit. So there were, there were 200 that just couldn't keep going, um, but 400 stayed with him. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him water, to, and, uh, water and food to eat and part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins, and he ate and was revived, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. And David said, Who do you belong to? Where do you come from? And he said, I'm an Egyptian, a slave of the Amalekites. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Kertharites, some territories belonging to Judah, and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag. And David asked him, Can you lead me down to this raiding party? And he answered, Swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master, and I will take you down to them. And he led David down to where they were, scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines from Judah. And David fought them from dusk until the evening for the next day, and none of them got away except for 400 young men who rode off on camel and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder of anything else that they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds. His men drove them ahead of uh, the other livestock, saying, This is David's plunder. Then David came to 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow him and were left behind at Besser Valley. They came out to meet David and the men with him. And as David and the men approached, he asked them how they were. But the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers said, Because they did not go with us, we will not share with them the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. But David replied, no, my brothers, we must not do that with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and delivered into our hands the raiding party that came against us. Who will listen to what you, uh, who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies will be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. We will all share alike. And David made this a statue and an ordinance for Israel to this day. When David reached Ziglag, some of the, he sent some of the plunders to the elders of Judah, who were his friends, saying, Here is a gift to you from the plunder of the Lord's enemies. David sent it to those who were in Bethel, Ramoth, Negev, and Jatar, those who were in Aror, Sifmoth, Eshmoth, Rechal, and to those in the towns of the Jermelites and the Kenites, to those in Hormath, Borashan, and Athak and Hebron, and to those and all the other places in Judah where he and his men had roamed. So he's taking some of the plunder, and he is repaying kindness to those who had helped him during their time of hiding out in the wilderness. He's taking some of the plunder, and he's being smart. He's being political. Let's not be, let's be honest about what's going on. And he is sending gifts to some of the uh, leading people of, of Israel, like, hey, I'm still with you guys. You may have heard rumors that I was with the Philistines. I'm still with you guys. So he doesn't keep it all for himself. And he, he spreads it out. He also makes sure that the men who were too exhausted to go, but who stayed behind and guarded the supplies, had a share. Um, I feel very strongly about this, that the people who, who do public ministry are not any more important than people who do uh, all sorts of things 
in the service of God. The, the people who do uh, facilities, the people who help uh, the soundboard. I remember once going to a, an event where I, I got to preach the gospel, but uh, somebody drove me there. I was in, it was in another country. I, I didn't have a car. They drove me there. I thought, man, how important is this driver? This driver has a share in whatever ministry happens tonight. And so, so do we all as we work together on the work of God's mission to be a witness of Jesus and to make disciples. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. New episodes are released on audio versions, Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The uh, um, video versions are on our Facebook page. And you can follow us on Instagram and all social medias that we're on, at Faith on Hill. My name's Adam, and thanks again for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. <laughs>